With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? My name is Jimmy. You may know me as Sunder on YouTube or TOVG, and welcome to the TOVG podcast. Joining me today are, of course, you know him as the completionist, Gerard Dragon Rider Khalil. Say hello, Gerard. Say hello, Gerard. <laughs> You, you gotta you, know I'm gonna do yeah, that every I mean, time. I expected it. <laughs> uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about what you do. Uh, well, I have the YouTube channel of That One Video Gamer, which hopefully all of you who are listening to this know what it is. Uh, I we have the flagship show, The Completionist, which I've been doing for two and a half years. We're about to hit 100 episodes in July or June, and uh, I am also the executive producer of The Dex. Oh yeah, and which both uh, you and Alex are a part of, mm-hmm. and uh, now we just launched that one video gamer after all this time, and I'm really excited to see what's to come of it. All right, great. Uh, also joining me today is Alex Fasciani. Hi, host of the Decks. Hi, beard brother. Hey, <laughs> uh, and among various other things, uh, editor in chief of that one video the greatest website. Uh, What's up? How's it going, man? How you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing real great, actually. I feel really good about this. <laughs> awesome. It's I'm, really funny because you say you feel great about this, but the way you're behaving, but is I like, look like crap. Yeah, yeah. yeah you okay. like great. I, you sound like a bearded valley girl. <laughs> I, I, I pretty much am a bearded valley girl. <laughs> and that voice you just heard is Mr. George Weedman, Hi, otherwise everybody. known as Super Bunny Hop on YouTube. Makes great journalistic or intelligent awesome videos <laughs> this guy's smarter I, I don't know i just i just i guess spend a little bit more time making them than a lot of other youtubers i guess i don't know i hate referring to things as smart it really just depends on how much you breed in your free time i i don't know if i want to go down that road either but yeah really I, ahead I do of the curve. <laughs> I do semi-journalistic sometimes, semi-editorial sometimes, semi-intellectual. I don't, I don't know what to call it. I just dump my thoughts and also sometimes objective information about video games on my channel, YouTube.com/BunnyHopShow. Yeah, and whatever you call it, I enjoy it. Aw, thanks. No problem, buddy. I definitely feel like I need an adult when I'm watching your stuff to translate, because <laughs> I'm just not... I'm I, like, it's too smart for me. And I, and that's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. I wish, like... I feel like I always dream that I make smart content, and then I see his stuff, and I'm like, well, I just I give up. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I don't feel like my content is smart when I watch your content, but I do become acutely aware of the fact that I make stuff for kids. <laughs> and, and I guess that's the thing that always, like, tripped me up. Like, I'm coming into this out of journalism school. Yeah. Like, I went to college for four years to learn how to work in journalism and then got fed up with how little it pays and was like, you yeah. know what, guys? I'm going to make my own journalism. And I'm coming into it with, like, a way different standard. And it just really... I guess, I don't know if I want to say confuses, but I wouldn't be lying if it did. When <laughs> when I 
when I was getting into it until I realized that the primary audience may in fact be kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just uh, I just want to point out the the thing that's a little funny to me about that statement, which is, damn it, journalism doesn't pay enough. I'm gonna go into YouTube. <laughs> I know, isn't isn't it kind of sad? Welcome to the world of being hungry, my friend. This, yeah. this office is made of gold. <laughs> I'm so jelly. <laughs> Not really. It's really hot inside an entirely gold office. Like gold isn't the best it's, construction material either. No, it's really like no. we've had a few collapses. We've lost a few interns. It's lost. rough. It's all right. We they R I P. They had no movies. connections. We make sure we hire them early. Make sure they don't have any ties outside of. Luckily, the, luckily we will survive yeah. through all of this. And uh, so that is that is your people on the podcast today. Now you know them. Now they know you. Maybe not, but now you know them. I know you all. I know where you are. <laughs> I'm best friends with everyone listening. Oh, dang. Yay! So everyone's on George's side today. Um, <laughs> all right. His, his channel is Super Bunny Hop. Like, he's already got the good name going. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Much better than Sunder Gamer. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I'm a gamer. I play games. Sunder Gamer Studios. <laughs> SSS. All right. Yeah. So let's jump right in to the actual discussion that we are all here for today. Today's topic is Very the direction of modern games. And it's a it's a broad subject, so I'm just going to going to uh, segregate it into a couple of different things. Uh, how did the current generation of games get where it is today? What is it doing now? Where is it going? And what does that all mean to us? You're wrong. Wait. <laughs> That's no, how no, this works, wait, right? You gotta wait like 10 minutes before you say that. Oh, oh okay. Okay, okay, let me remind her 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Set say, your alarm on your iPhone. Jimmy's wrong. Okay. <laughs> Got it. So, um, I think starting out, I'd just like to first bring up something that um, I know a lot of people have been keeping up with. I mean, I know us in the office specifically. I was talking with George a little bit about this, and he said uh, he's not as much caught up on this specific subject, but the uh, Smash Brothers Nintendo Direct, and um, really not not specifically the details of the Smash Brothers Nintendo Direct, but what it means for the future of Nintendo specifically, because I'm sure most of our listeners are aware, or most of, uh, most people who are, you know, into gaming a little more than just like, you know, playing casually are where Nintendo isn't doing nearly as great as it used to be. Like Nintendo used to be like the king of gaming. They used to be, you know, whatever they did, whatever they did, whatever they did was gold and everybody bought it. But um, despite the 3DS sales being very high, the Wii U sales are, you know, like publicly pretty they're abysmal. They're not great. Yeah. yeah. I think, mm-hmm. I think that they're, they're not even like, they just reached half of what the GameCube has sold at this point and the GameCube's <laughs> been out. At, at, as, as like as long as the Wii U has been, and like they just well, they've barely even sold half. Yeah, I, I think even back in the day, like the GameCube wasn't regarded as a highly successful commercial right. bust, and and it wasn't. It was the Wii actually that kind of recovered them from from a slump during the GameCube years. Which don't yeah, get yeah. me wrong, still produced great games and whatnot. I just very distinctly remember them trailing in third place for that entire console generation even though they still much as today had portables to fall back on it's the same joke it's the same like i buy my nintendo system for nintendo games and that's it and then everything else i will buy on something else except for the like (laughs) five dumb games that they like some they like trick some publisher into like (laughs) releasing exclusively looking at you resident evil 4 yeah but they do it bayonetta 2 uh, uh, 
Oh, no. Bayonetta <laughs> yeah. 2. That's, that's one. Um, but yeah, I And don't that's know. such a weird game to be a Nintendo exclusive. Yeah. I mean, they were like, I'll give you the money. And then Platinum was like, I'll take it. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't really, like, fit the lineup or the company image. Oh, absolutely not. It's, like, the farthest from. But, yeah, but it still, like, makes a very different market suddenly, like, like regret not having that Nintendo console for it, which I guess is the whole point to bring them in, but... Well, they also have Wonderful 101, which is kind of a similar deal going on, but even then, like, just look at the ESRB ratings, ratings between those two franchises. It's very, yeah. very different world. Yeah. I think for me, though, like, watching how they're handling Smash Bros., which, like, just in case, like, if you guys need some context, the listeners, uh, like, it was, first of all, it's like a digital press conference, which, like, for some reason, Nintendo is, like, far ahead of the curve on this yeah, one. Yeah, I, I think that's awesome. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why they. That's the thing they decided they were gonna like be really forward thinking about, but it, they are. <laughs> uh, but also, like in watching the direct, like they talk about a lot of things, like where they're ad- like adopting things that people were doing, like by by like implementing them into the game, like having the final destination mode yeah, be yeah, a mode where like because everybody plays, everybody who's serious about Smash Bros plays on final destination only. Uh, ha 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 fox only but and, uh yeah I they, they have a really weird history about considering super smash brothers a competitive game like wasn't yeah. it just last year when when they almost didn't want them playing it at evo and exactly. now this year they're announcing an actual competitive balanced mode for the next one that's that's a quick turnaround time yeah i think that's just indicating like indicating that nintendo's finally listening to like social media like buzz for once they i mean like you know i don't know how much i can say about this but i know that they recently made a shift in how they're handling their uh social media stuff like maybe a different strategy is being adopted and so maybe that's just like kind of their whole new initiative is like being like the way that we're going to do this is by giving people exactly what they want i think i think nintendo's biggest issue uh, at least has been since i think around the cube uh, Wii, Wii U era, era is that you'll notice too if you look at their older ways of how they promoted their their stuff mm-hmm. they promote the consoles like the actual hardware as like a revolutionary device right um, you know the GameCube when it first came out like I remember seeing the GameCube and being like I don't know what that is but that <laughs> looks really cool and it looked futuristic all the controllers looked really cool same thing with the N64 and same thing with the Super Nintendo. I was really and charmed the by the handle. On right, the right. <laughs> you you got the Wii, and the Wii as a like looks really sleek. Mm-hmm. It, it, you can say what you want about the about the actual console. It like looked cool when we first saw it. It was white, but it had a blue light. You know, um, yeah, very presentable, can, very very like Apple style futuristic. Kind yeah, of absolutely. Very like sleek and, and simple. The idea was that like it's in every living room, it's in every every home kind of thing, and you had like wireless controllers, which was like a real first commitment for Nintendo and wireless, and that was a big thing that took them a while to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when the Wii U came out, um, for the in my eyes, the biggest thing they they messed up on was calling it the Wii U. Well, yeah, um, guaranteed from because the thing is that people who bought the Wii don't play Wii games. They bought it for fit, they bought it for sports, and that's about why the console sold so well. Because it was perfectly perfect for people who don't play games, perfect for people who are like in elderly homes who like mm-hmm. want to go through you know rehab for for 
hurting joints and whatever it may be. <laughs> and where it's perfect to play with the family. And that's those are the people that bought it. And a lot of people bought it because it was cheap. Versus now you have the the Wii U. It sounds like an add-on to your Wii, right? Which obviously was a big indication that people thought it was. And you notice that they don't talk about or showcase the actual console. They literally were like the controller is what will make people buy this console, which is great, but not good enough mm. because the console, what is the console looks like a Seagate portable hard drive. It's like a limousine. It's like a limousine Wii. Yeah. And, it, <laughs> it, and a company who revolutionizes the console game by having the look be everything. Yeah. It's like, you don't buy an ugly car, right? Like you buy a nice looking car. Yeah. I like mean, the consoles that you buy have to look somewhat good see the ps4 then, looks sexy the xbox one is like it's a box but it looks presentable <laughs> versus like the wii u being like a limousine hard drive if, well if I, I had to put either one of them in a display case i i definitely keep the xbox one out <laughs> right of course it looks um, it looks bad like a VCR? I think yeah. it's just too big i think it's too i think it's like, too big yeah yeah if i it mean, was like 75 percent like scaled downwards <laughs> it might look a little bit better yeah i don't know in that in that respect you said uh you mentioned that people don't buy an ugly car i mean like i think people do buy ugly cars but at the same time it's not without a reason like right. i would buy an ugly car that gets 300 miles to the gallon right? yeah like yeah i mean like you know i would buy an ugly car that like seats 150 people in a pocket dimension inside of it <laughs> But like, yeah, I wouldn't we're, buy talking, we're talking about a game, we're, we're talking about a gaming console, okay, something but, that's like designed like, for an entertainment purpose. But that's what I'm saying. Like the Wii U's specifics, like it's hard drive, like not hard drive. I mean, like, but you know, like the graphics capabilities aren't nearly as good as as, as its competition. The uh, the online capabilities aren't nearly as good as its competition. Like, it doesn't have much in the way of of hardware like specs to sell. So in that case, like, I'd fine, I'd be fine with buying an ugly car that works right is what i'm trying to say but the wii u is like an ugly car that is also not the best car on the market in comparison to like well its but then you gotta ask the question considering what we're talking about <laughs> is smash bros the 40 mpg is smash bros <laughs> the like weirdly impossible leg room inside of the tiny car like <laughs> does smash bros sell the system and does it help it i mean i i realistically i don't think it's gonna like Oh wow, that game came out and now it sells just as well as the PS4. Right. But, right. I, but you know, do you think that it's going to be a thing that helps? I would like to look at a chart and see what sales like for for the Wii when Smash Bros. Wii came out because we know at that point the console was successful. We know that people were buying it and playing with it, obviously. But I feel like when Smash Bros. came out, the game was always sold out. Controllers were sold out. Cube controllers were gone because they were bringing them back and they disappeared quickly. You're referring, of course, to Brawl, right? To Brawl, right. yes. Okay. I, I, I would be interesting to see now what those sales were like before and after a few months of when Brawl came out because the game sold very well. It's still 50 bucks till this day and it's still brand new at, at your stores versus... And that's kind of the thing they always do till they yeah. make it a Nintendo's choice kind of thing. It's very uh, very interesting in that regards because... You're wrong. Like, Sorry, that's exactly it. ten minutes. I did it. Sorry. I didn't expect you to actually do it. <laughs> wow, well, I don't. I don't really think like actual real life consumers really care that much about how the console looks. I don't know. I've like never seen anyone legitimately not buy a console because it was ugly. I mean, if you go back and look at the, 
I, I don't know. I, I, for one, feel that the American version of the NES wasn't really an attractive piece of hardware, and that's more popular than than most of them. The, the, the PS2, that doesn't... That's not exactly like a sleek, curvy, sexy console, and that's the <laughs> most popular selling console of them all. And I... I, I don't know. I kind of really like comparing the Wii U to the GameCube for a lot of reasons. But the thing is, when the GameCube came out, it had a new Smash Brothers like right away. Like I don't know yeah. exactly how soon after launch Melee came out, but it was a lot sooner than Smash Brothers Four is coming out. And at almost this point, two years. <laughs> yeah, at, at this point, the Wii U might be already too stigmatized and already too deep in its hole for Smash Brothers to save it. Whereas the GameCube got the the like real Nintendo franchise like exclusives a lot earlier that yeah, yeah. that it needed. Well, um in that respect, since we're since the topic is the direction of modern gaming and you mentioned um older consoles not being very uh sleek, not being very like friendly on the eyes. Like I mean I know most of the old consoles that I own were were grey, like that ugly like like the DeLorean DS, flat, yeah, DeLorean White gray, is and then the they new like, gray, yeah, yeah, and but like the gray is all like all the ones that I own, they like the gray is like faded to this ugly like yellow, orange yellow, yeah, like, that almost Nintendo like, yellow, almost like rust. But well, like, then I guess yellow plastic. is the new gray because <laughs> literally but, is the new gray. Yeah, but like it's interesting because you know I I own a Wii U. I didn't like it's an ugly console, but I own it because I wanted to get certain games on it and I wanted to have that because like you know, to work with my 3DS and everything and to have Smash Brothers when it eventually came out. And, you know, I didn't buy it based on looks, but I think, I think there's like, I just have this, this inkling that in this modern industry, like maybe not back then people didn't buy based off of looks, but I think in this modern industry, looks are something that people take into account. Just like graphics weren't so big in the NES era because all the graphics were so, you know, low res that nobody really paid attention to the fact that they were low-res graphics because they were just graphics. Well, I'd argue Kirby now, though, that... Kirby looks damn good, though. Yeah. <laughs> but I would argue... I would argue that now graphics, again, are, like, sort of taking a back seat. It's just, like, as a as a thesis for this generation. Because like we're in, in a plateau. Yeah, we're in a plateau, and not only... So, what these what these people are focusing on... what Not these people, but the devs and the, and the, and the hardware developers, specifically, are, are focusing on is, like, differentiating themselves from one another in, like, very specific ways. And I think that for Nintendo, what they did was they were like, well, we're going to, like, make this sort of, like, living room hub for you. And, and they kind of screwed that up by not selling it as such. And... Xbox had a very similar idea, except they backpedaled away from it right before they went to market. Uh, and like, because I remember, like, you know, in like June, July of last year, like there were the the people who were like the software team for mm-hmm. the hardware for right. the for the Xbox One itself, who were like being like, you know, bitter. I, I, like I, I don't know how to say that better, but like mm-hmm. they were being like, well, we had all these cool ideas, but then somebody decided it was going to invade their privacy <laughs> or whatever they, you know, and so they had to like scale back their thing, and then you got the PS4, which just like kept it cool, didn't announce too much, they just kind of like said like the things that they had to say to like make them seem like the cool guys, and they're doing the best. So yeah. on the other you know, side of of the coin that just means that they can maintain whatever you don't like about the status quo because that stuff isn't going to look bad in comparison to the stuff that 
comparison that to the stuff that the Xbox One was trying to push during its initial reveal. Right. And George, just to go back, I, I know that I, I realized as we're all talking about the looks of the console, right? I didn't mean to like to come off as someone that's like, well, the look <laughs> of the console is everything. The reason why I brought it up that way that I did, though, was because... Look at how things are marketed nowadays, right? Like, look at the i the iPhone, right, and the iMac, and yeah. anything that Apple does. It's sleek, it's sexy, it it's designed so that it looks futuristic enough that you want to get it. And in my eyes, every every Nintendo console that's come out has always been that's kind of been their marketing in a way. I know that's maybe that's just me, but like when I saw the Wii the Wii initially launched, I was like, yes, like it <laughs> looks great. I am down, and I think like. When I remember, Alex, you and I were talking about the Wii U. I had just met you. We were talking about it at E3. I met you for the first time at E3, and we there was no vision of the actual console. And Alex, I was like, did you play the Wii U or see it? And Alex was like, uh, yeah, I saw it. It was cool and everything. And he was like, what do you think? And I'm like, I don't know what this thing looks like. It They, they purposely hid the dev kit because they didn't know what it looked like yet. Interesting. Well, at the same time, though, when you're buying a piece of technology that's going to like be a part of your life for several years you know what i mean not like a blender but like a, a a piece of technology like a computer or a console right right what you're buying is not just a thing you're buying like a promise yeah and the iphone and the imac their promise is we look great and we're gonna work better than everything else and like regardless of like your preferences like you know Apple computers like don't break down as much. They don't get as many viruses, and they're easier to like understand for the common person. They come through. Well, well that's debatable. It's debatable, <laughs> but well, well, like if the you're, if you're, as old as time if you're like right an, there. if you're like an old person or you're you know the average college student, you're not going to feel let down by your Mac, right? Yeah, so, well, well, that's debatable. It, 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 <laughs> well, in, in in all in all in all honesty, yes. But if you're looking at the consoles, right? The, the the promises are normally what you're what you're waiting for is that game that makes you go like wow like this is it this is like the thing that I want but like when you're talking about the Xbox One and they're trying to explain to the average person like some of the processing is going to be done off board at a server somewhere far away so we can do more work like. Uh, making the game look good and we don't have to upgrade the system. You know what I mean? Like that already you're putting a barrier between the consumer, the average consumer and, and, you know, selling product. And so with the Wii U, same thing, like the barrier there was getting people to realize that it was actually a thing and not just a controller. Uh, and, and, you know, the thing with Nintendo, the, the specific promise for Nintendo always is Nintendo says, even if they don't say it, they they are selling you. We're gonna put out all the games that you love, and they're gonna be great. Every every single one is gonna be perfect, and you're gonna love it. And you're gonna be really glad that you bought your GameCube, your Wii, whatever. And this time around, like so far, as far as like real games have concerned, we we had to wait a year and a half for like a proper 3D Mario. We had to wait uh, for Pikmin. You know, which was not like the top of many people's lists. Right. And then we got like some remakes and some like re-releases. And, and by, so by some, you mean all. Yeah. Just every remake right. that even, they could yeah, possibly I, make. You could even argue that Nintendo Land is like not it's really. Like Wii, it's like Wii Sports 2. It's like, yeah, it's like Wii Sports again. 
And and I, I think that that's going to be the main thing this time around is I think that we're going to have to like what the what the what the consoles are going to have to do is you're going to have to realize how to sell what's special about their system. I think and that's going to be really yeah. hard to do because I think we're steadily reaching a point where consoles are becoming increasingly irrelevant. Like yeah. you were mentioning how the Xbox One can render graphics on screen from a server far farm somewhere else. I mean, I hate to think about the slippery slope, but yeah. maybe that means that just at some point, God, I, I, it's well, an it's absolutely terrifying vision of the future. But just imagine the cyberpunk dystopia of <laughs> 2024 when you're playing your games on a streaming cloud service and it's going to be awful, but... I, I I don't know. It might. It's um, already it's already happening, man. I mean, the option Play, is there right now, but maybe PlayStation now. Maybe as consoles become increasingly harder to sell, the same companies that have been marketing them right now will end up trying to push streaming services in the future harder than they're pushing consoles right now. I mean, yeah. I mean, look at PlayStation right now. You got PlayStation now coming out this summer, and that is like a mind blow. The people who are playing it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and just to give the listeners context, PlayStation Now is like something similar to Netflix, where you pay a monthly amount, or you and can buy, buy games, but you don't have to actually have them. All the processing is I, done. I don't really off-board. think that works for games, though, because games <laughs> require reaction time, and when you're streaming yeah. something, there's latency, and you don't yeah. notice it when you're watching Netflix because it's a movie that does not require reaction time. There's no way it can react to your input beyond pressing play and pause, but uh, literally, I've, I've played a bunch of streaming games in my lifetime. They even had some um, really, really optimized local streaming setups at um, the Steam booth at GDC this year that I was trying. And you still feel latency. Every one of your actions has a delay to it. So yeah. when you're doing that, you lose a competitive edge that, that you have when you don't. And that's like having a competitive edge, being a skilled player is is a core aspect to the video game medium. Yeah. yeah, and that's especially, I mean, like, this is slightly relevant, but, like, you're talking about competitive games and stuff, and I've been playing a lot of Titanfall recently, which I bought, and, like, I'm, I'm enjoying the game quite a bit, uh, but the thing with it is that I've been having a lot of problems with the fact that I have to be, like, connected. I mean, like, obviously, it's an online-only multiplayer game, so obviously I'm going to have to be connected to online servers, but with the whole... Because I'm playing it on PC, the Origin servers and the Origin, that whole system, it often lessens my game experience while I'm playing just because of, like, like okay, like, something like, I want to open up the game. All right, I'm connected to Origin. I hit Titanfall and I hit Play. It opens up Titanfall, and then it says, you are not connected to Origin. Origin token was not found. <laughs> and then I just can't play the game. And I have oh. to quit Titanfall, quit Origin, open up Origin, open up Titanfall. And until it tells me, connected to server. But, like, that's just the main menu. And then, like, I get into the game and sometimes I just get kicked out of the game. And it's like, oh, yeah, well, um, your server refreshed due to inactivity. I'm like, I was, I was, sh- I was shooting a guy with a gun that's not an activity that's activity like at its highest form right there in this game and i don't know it's like i can see like i can justify it because it's a multiplayer game because like i have to be connected to a server but what you guys are talking about is like playing games like maybe like assassin's creed one let's just say like assassin's creed one is on the streaming service i can't imagine being kicked out of like like running off of and jumping off of buildings and just the game being like, oh, you lost connection to the server, so you can't play this game that you're playing alone. Like, 
Oh, I can't even imagine that. That sounds uh, like literally cyberpunk dystopia is the best way that you described it. That sounds horrible. And I think it's, it's, it's creepy how, how accurate the cyberpunk dystopia is to reality. <laughs> <laughs> now, PlayStation Now, though, I think, from what I understand, is designed so that uh, companies that were once in business, no longer around, can still license their games from a digital standpoint and not in a production standpoint. And obviously, it's like that with the PSN Now, right, and XBLA. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that they, with those distribution rights... They probably can't let the user keep the actual game on their hardware. So that's why I think that's the workaround for PlayStation now is you can own the game, but you have to be online to play it. Well, with PlayStation now, though, uh, I don't I don't know. I don't know how much that is the case because the because cool, the only reason why I bring that up to Alex is because Sony was advertising it as like. Almost every game from every generation of PlayStation will be available on PlayStation Now. But that's it's a huge not that pro- easy. Exactly, there's a, that's a huge promise. You're talking like the really bad, like Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen games being able to be streamed off of PlayStation Now. Like <laughs> I can emulate that. <laughs> I, exactly. I was actually emulating that just fine last year, and it was just as awful as it should have been. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think like I was complaining about input latency earlier. Like Christ, there's so many other problems with with that system that I I don't know. Like it's a solution for really really money-hungry, concerned businesses to keep making money off of old products that everyone's forgotten about. But I don't know, like, if the same people who are buying this stuff knew how easy it is to, like, download these old games that are completely forgotten about and emulating it, then they might not see the value in a streaming service as much as the companies want them to. Well, and, like uh, owning a game is a really <laughs> important thing to do when when laying down money for a game. So is yeah. being able to play it years and years from now in the future. And and then you also have to worry about things like where your save files are located. Can you keep them on your hard drive for years and then return to them later? Or like, what about mod support? I don't <laughs> think you could manage that in a streaming environment. Yeah, that's true. But if you go back to the beginning, though, you got to ask, like, what are you actually buying when you are buying a game? Because what I believe that the actual answer is, uh, is that even from the beginning, you're buying a license to play that game. That's a formality. <laughs> it, it sort of is a formality, but at the same time, like the only reason that we had physical media in the first place was to deliver this license to you. So in the from the business standpoint of the company, what they see is like, what difference does it make how we get it to you? And this is the same. This is the same. Uh, the same argument that that a lot of people who are, and I'm I'm one of these people in this case. But this, the people who are like against on disc DLC, you know, like the the thinking is like we already own this software. Yeah. We have the physical media that it's on. Why can't we use it? And the answer is is because you actually don't own the right to use it. And so that's that's the other side of it. And so I can see why moving online is like the thing. But at the same time, if you're looking at something like, uh, you know, indie games, maybe a large part of the reason that goes uncounted a lot of the time as to why indie games are being, you know, going through sort of like a revival right now Mm -hmm. is that they don't they aren't regulated by a large amount of those same issues. And so, you know. Indie games are made directly by developers and usually sold directly by developers, and they realize that it's so much easier, like you were saying, like playing whatever 
weird reason you had to play a Mary Kate and Ashley game on your computer. Don't ask. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, you know, they can see the ease of that, and so they'll just sell you the game right from their website. No no publisher, no 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 anything no needed. No go-between. Yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing needed. And so maybe that's part of the reason why... You know, indie games are so important right now. Well, and now, but we're we're now also moving into a new generation of uh, obviously modern gaming is the topic, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We're moving to a new generation of of what is the the now thing that the industry is kind of <laughs> indirectly forcing us to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, microtransactions, right? Like, we all hear that word. We're all like, oh, my tr- microtransactions suck and stuff like that. Yeah. Before that, it was like DLC and. You know, really sticking to the man of like, you know, five dollars for costumes right. and and five dollars for maps. And if you pre-order the game, you get this thing and that thing. Um, and so I think that now, in like indie devs don't have to go through that process. There's now Kickstarter. There's mm-hmm. Indiegogo. Uh, there's Steam Greenlight, where like they don't need the developers anymore to do that. And I think that that's kind of where everyone on the indie side of the world is starting to head. And even the main developers are like, all right, now that we've lost. The, the ability to, to distribute on behalf of the indie devs <laughs> which ones can we purchase to like have the ability to do that with right like when Sony was like PS4 they were like indie games and they showed so many indie games both that were already out and that were about to come out for yep. that console that's kind of I feel like it's, that's where I feel like you know the roads are going to start splitting well, as this expands but on the flip side of that though like, look at something like, uh, what's it called? Broken Age, right? That's the f- Double Fine game right yeah, now? Yeah, okay. Part one and part two? Yeah, so Broken Age, right? Like, you get to, like, looking at that, like, w- that whole situation, which, again, just to give everybody context, it was originally a Kickstarter game that was, the idea was, what was being sold to the consumer was Tim Schafer making a good old-fashioned Tim Schafer game that he couldn't normally make because nobody would give him money to make it, right? Yeah. Right. And and so, you know, time goes by, he gets the money, everything happens, and then he's like, hey, uh, we need more money to make this game that we want to make, so uh, if you want to pay for the game to play it, uh, that would help uh, so that I can make it. And really what you're looking at there is you're looking at a situation where now that, you know, the general public is the publisher... The general public is having to deal with these, like, you know, these these issues that normally we don't ever even get to we don't yeah. even ever get to see like, because like, we're, you're not the publisher. I think it's actually a really complicated story, and trying to uh, figure out why that game costed a lot more money than they do. And I think it's <laughs> it's also kind of a classic tale of someone getting over ambitious with their project, like, yeah, because because he hired Will Wheaton. And um, Elijah Wood to do voice acting. And as it turns out, that's a really expensive thing to do. Usually you'd have some guy in a suit angrily tell Tim Schafer, no, we can't afford these guys. <laughs> now you have Tim Schafer doing it anyway. And the Internet being like, no, we can't. We wanted <laughs> yeah. just one game. And Tim Schafer's like, we're going to crowdfund another and split it into two. Is that OK, Internet? And. You end up having internet arguments instead of a much more, I guess, kind like of... Like a meeting. Yeah, yeah, like which would <laughs> solve the problem a lot quicker and easier while still acknowledging a problem. See, but the thing here is, uh, Alex, you mentioned that like this sort of makes the, the public, or rather the internet... Uh, the publisher in this case, where on like on one hand, yes, like you do, it comes with like the publisher problems and also the like I am backing you, I am the publisher. But 
the thing here, the thing that like I think is like the the clencher or the kicker right there is that like a publisher would get money once once this game was sold. But a publisher you- would get like their return investment. The return investment for the Kickstarter is just the game existing, or a shirt, or a dinner with Tim Schafer, depending on how much money you put <laughs> well, in. Well, yeah, like uh, you know, granted, uh, like but $100 like one hundred dollar dinner for the <laughs> one thousand dollar pledge level, yes. Well, but the at the well, I, I I realize like that you're not getting more value than what you put into it, but at the same time, like it's not like you know every single dollar that a publisher puts towards game gets to decide whether it wants to be part of that that dollar amount you know like every single person who gave money to the game wants to see the game made and so the 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 impetus in the beginning is different like yeah the reason a publisher publishes a game is because they want, they want money. the money yeah. but we want the game and that's why we're pay- paying for the game so i i don't think that we're like I, I don't think that we're not realizing that we're not getting money. I think that, but like, okay, well, like, like, think of it this way: I'm selling you the idea of my game, and you're like, you're like a publisher, right? And I say, I have Will Wheaton and and uh, Elijah, Elijah Wood, Wood lined up to voice act my game, and you're like, wow, what a what a cool <laughs> couple of guys. It wasn't that... originally advertised as that. Well, yeah, like, okay, but I mean, like. For the sake of, of the point I'm trying to make, uh, let's say like that I pitched that idea to you, and you're like, "Wow, that's those are some big names. This game could be really good with that with that kind of talent on board. Like that could be that could like result in a good dialogue somewhere in the game. Like, you know, yeah, let's go for it because that'll make me a big bunch of money. But huh. like maybe the game gaming community internet that is the investors in this sense didn't want those voice actors. Maybe they would would have settled for like. Bob voice actor and and his friend Joe who's just kind of maybe like not North really a voice actor. Yeah. <laughs> I think he works for free nowadays. Jack Black is in uh, Broken Age too. Oh yeah. Speaking of of celebrity voice actors and <laughs> of course Jennifer Hale, in the past. Jennifer Hale's in everything. Yeah, she's the only female voice actor actually. Uh if you, oh, really? if you look if you yeah, if you look into it on IMDb, she uh, is the only one. Her and occasionally featuring uh Kristen Stewart is no, not Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart. <laughs> Kristen Stewart. No, no. <laughs> Tara Strong. No. What? Yeah, Tara Strong is the other. The girl. The, other the girl. Female voice oh actor. my God! Why can't she's married? You guys know uh, Veronica Mars. Yeah, Kristen Bell. Kristen That's Bell. the one. She's wrong. She's, Kristen. I'm sorry. It's, it's been a long day. Later, man. It's been a Later, Kristen man. confusion. Um. But yeah, I I don't know. I, I I think that I think that every time that an indie title gets mixed up with with acting like a big name title I think that's where the indie title suffers you look at something like Super Meat Boy which is two people they put that game out they made a buttload of money <laughs> and they're just and they, there's, they deserve not, every penny they're yeah. not really expanding they're not really doing anything well they I mean a, they're not they're making eugenics Right, but eugenics I mean, it, it has Pokemon a, game. Hey, you guys yeah. like Pokemon, right? You'll love yeah. eugenics. Right, but but I mean, their business model is largely the same as it was for Super Meat Boy. <laughs> right, and because there's yeah. only two people on the staff, like they can pretty much just work on the game in per, in perpetuity. Yeah, well, they didn't have that luxury the first time with Super Meat Boy. They had well, to the f- squeeze it out and make deadlines and deal with Microsoft's bullshit. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I mean, if that's the if that's the luxury that it's affording them, and no one's mad at them, then good on them. And I'm glad <laughs> that the indie culture is back. 
And and also with with them, like they have capital, they don't have to crowdsource their similarly small, low fidelity indie games. And I, I don't know, like I like the idea of crowdsourcing. I think it will ultimately turn out to be a better a better solution than using traditional publishers for um for games in general. And I think right. right now it's just kind of unfortunate that it's stuck in a rut where it's like the smaller indie games, and that's what people like. Like um, Tim Schafer and Chris Roberts with Star Citizen and like eventually Wasteland 2. Like once those games that were announced way back in like 2012 to be crowdfunded end up coming out, I think we might start seeing a a paradigm shift with the the consensus on the Internet towards accepting crowdsourcing more than they currently do. Yeah. Well, what I what I what I think is going to happen based off how it's going with. Uh, other things besides gaming like movies for example we've already seen like speaking of Kristen Bell the uh, Veronica Mars movie which was a was sort of like a fusion of the two things right so you got the people who want to make the movie aka the director and the cast of the movie uh, and and in this case it's also he's also the writer but like they want to make the movie, so they go. They have a meeting with uh, Paramount or whoever it is who made the I think movie. It was Warner Brothers. Oh, okay, well, whoever it is, yeah. But they wanted the bankroll for it before the movie. So even they were thought like, about. yeah. So they were like, we're not. We wouldn't normally, you know, do this much. Like we wouldn't take this big of a risk normally. But if you can raise us five million dollars or whatever it was, like yeah. you know, we'll take a chance on it, and we and that saves us five million dollars. So I, you know, and that's and that's exactly what happened. Was they made the movie with some funding from the studio, some funding from the crowd, and and you know, it did well, considering that. Mm-hmm. I mean, even uh, what's his name did it too. Uh, guy from Scrubs. Oh yeah, oh that's yeah, right. Zach, Zach, Braff. Zach Braff. He did that, and uh, what it, I mean, in my opinion, I think Kickstarter is one of the greatest things to happen to us in recent years. Um, but like, I think. You know the big the big issue, right? Of again, modern gaming. Like, what's the future of what we haven't talked about yet? Right. Oculus Rift. Uh-huh. Like, obviously, it's a can of worms with Facebook being, you know, Facebook buying them and being mm-hmm. approved. But Oculus Rift, a product that was kickstarted and funded by an audience, yeah, now being purchased by a big company, and it's like, you know, it's one of those weird things of, like. Sh- Obviously, we're gonna get the product no matter what. You know, we're gonna pay for the Oculus Rift. We're gonna get the Oculus Rift. Yeah. But like, well, but imagine, imagine if something like Mega Man Legends Three was announced at this E3, right? Uh-huh. Uh huh. And instead of like being like, we're gonna reach out to the fans and we're gonna develop the game together. Oh, never mind, we canceled it. Like maybe in this case, now that there's this paradigm that's been set, this bar that's been like you know laid out for the people now, like maybe what what could happen now is they'd be like hey we're gonna do a kickstarter for Mega Man legends 3 and if we can hit this certain amount like we'll take a risk on it and publish it no matter what you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and and that's how you can get a game out like that's been stuck in limbo like maybe that's what could happen for the last guardian maybe that's what could happen for uh what's another one beyond good and evil 2 maybe that's what can finally happen for the almighty final fantasy 7 hd remake people have been (laughs) screaming for for years pretty much it sounds dumb but it's the biggest selling game pretty much any no-brainer right yeah once the companies who make those games realize they can get people who are going to buy it 
to pay for it before they even yeah, start making it. Like it's so much less of a risk, and and you can still get those like cool like the like you know franchises and characters that are that you got to pay the big bucks for. Yeah. In a game that maybe wouldn't come out otherwise. Yeah. Well then, um, that was a lot of discussion. Yes. <laughs> um, I think right about now is when we're going to take our commercial break. We'll be back in just a few seconds. <laughs> Speaking of money. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys all for listening, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hey guys, what's up? This is Gerard Dragonrider Khalil, as most of you know as The Completionist, or as That One Video Gamer, letting you guys know that we have brand new t-shirts available now at The Yeti. That's theyeti.com slash thatonevideogamer. We got two t-shirts right now available, ready for you to purchase today for 17 bucks each. The first is Complete It, in the style of the Red Campaign uh, from a few years back, and the all-new Embrace Your Beard Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core inspired t-shirt which features myself with my massive beard and this gigantic sword so for 17 bucks the yeti.com slash that one video gamer you can get these shirts they're available they're available only for a little bit more so be sure to get them sooner rather than later all right guys keep completing some games Welcome back, everybody, to the TOVG podcast. Uh, that was just our commercial break. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you in- are enjoying the podcast so far, and thanks for listening thus far. Uh, as you, of course, probably already know, I'm Jimmy. May know me as Sunder. Joining me here are uh, Gerard the Completionist, Alex of the Dex and Beard Bros, and George, also known as Super Bunny Hop on YouTube. Hello, and, ladies uh, and gentlemen. <laughs> The only person who spoke, so the other two just... We are here as well. We are just quiet. (laughs) I am not. This is an automated recording. (laughs) I am a ghost. Later, man. (laughs) Later, man. Anyway, uh, so we're going to jump right into the news section of the podcast. And um, this is less less of a keeping you updated thing, more of a discussion on what the current news is. And uh, something that I really noticed recently in the news that kind of like caught my eye is that uh, Elder Scrolls Online had, you know, released very recently, and even though it, you know, obviously no uh, no Bethesda game is going to be without its fair share of bugs, but well, it's a Xenomax game. I, I mean, you know, don't <laughs> don't discredit me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I just just no, cause, I know, no I'm I know, not I trying know, to discredit I... you. I'm just trying to uh, appease the fans here because you know there's going to be like one, two, ten guys. So let me just let me just rephrase that. It wouldn't be an Elder Scrolls game so without its fair share of bugs. It's okay. No, it's 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 honestly it's okay. Oh, I should what have, have I just done? done my research a little bit better. Um, I, obviously, you can tell I don't keep up with the Elder Scrolls Online very much. Otherwise, I would have known that. But uh, yeah, there was a pretty game breaking bug that's been going kind of running rampant since release. Uh, which is a item duping glitch where people were able to deposit items into their bank. Uh, I believe they after that they just like log off and log back on and like the item is saved in their bank permanently and they could just continuously withdraw that item. And so people were obviously exploiting this to no end and it was um, it was actually ruining the game for a lot of players, which you know as many glitches in MMOs do. And so uh, the retaliation of of the you know. The people running Elder Scrolls Online, dare I say a name and get it wrong again? Cinemax. Uh, <laughs> they, not Cinemax. You know, they, they finally patched. Skinemax. 
Cinemax? Skin- Cinemassacre? Skinemax? No, it's Cinemax, Cinemax it's, Online Studios. Yeah, it's Cinemax. <laughs> right. Uh, so Cinnamon Sticks decided to <laughs> reply to this. Cinnabon. <laughs> they, uh, they finally patched the glitch. Uh, so the item duping glitch is completely gone now, and then they banned all the players who were using this glitch, which I mean, of course, that sounds like standard practice nah, for cheaters on an online game, but it kind of brought to my attention, uh, just like, it kind of like spurred on to me what that kind of means, because these are people who have paid for that game, yeah. and these are people who have paid to use it. Of course, there are terms of service, and they broke the terms of service, Can't- but... At the same time, there are people that are, you know, paying money to play this game. And it, like I said earlier in the podcast, I've been playing a lot of Titanfall. And one of my friends brought to my attention that Titanfall does it a little differently, where if you're caught cheating on any version of Titanfall, uh, whether it be PC, Xbox, whatever, uh, they don't ban you from the game, but they allocate you to only servers with other cheaters. They like Australia the you, yeah. which, which <laughs> I, I think <laughs> is is kind of a more appropriate solution. And I, yeah, I don't know, I agree. like for the Elder Scrolls Online, is it within their capability to just like reset these players' accounts or or just like delete that character from their account? How does how does the persistence of these items work between characters and between accounts? Why the is re- the ban necessary? They could still make money off these guys. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Horrible businessman. And, and but here's the thing too, like MMOs, right? Uh-huh. What do we do to play them? We pay to play most of the good ones, right? right. So Elder Scrolls Online is one that you pay for, correct? Mm-hmm. It won't be for long. <laughs> it won't be for long. And and that's the thing is that like in a world where free to play has become the forefront of everything. <laughs> yeah. Like I get it. I get it. Ban ban the people who messed up, but the reality is that's that's fifteen dollars you just gave back. That's never going to come back ever again. But it's also like the very beginning of this game's lifespan. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know. Like, I just have a feeling that a lot of the people who might have found the glitch might have either been doing it by accident some people might have been doing it maliciously but imagine how many people were doing it just to experiment to see if it works if the game really is this broken yeah of course and that's like that's kind of thing you already pretty much said what i was thinking but um it just seems like you know the people running titanfall and all that seem to know that like Okay, these people paid sixty dollars, paid eighty dollars for our game, depending on you know which version you got. Maybe they might have bought it in the collector's version, and if they're cheating, okay, well, I mean, they own our game, and they're they own the right to play it. We'll yeah. just put all the cheaters together, and they can you know, <laughs> they can just rot in their own little you know. And and don't get me wrong, like I absolutely don't like cheaters. Like, you know, yeah, I'm a normal person. I don't like cheaters. Yeah. So it's but but what I see this item glitch being is is kind of one of those inevitable inadvertent accidental stress tests that new games on launch always get yeah especially ones that rely heavily on online play so when you have this sort of situation where a legitimate glitch in the system is discovered and people are then taking advantage of it and using it like is it right to ban them for kind of stressing the limits of their system and letting them know a certain benchmark of of balance and stability and yeah essentially essentially that they should be doing right essentially meticulously finding out the exact parameters of a glitch and giving them like pretty much the best information available to be able to fix said glitch like but at the same time we should probably be really careful not to like 
deify these people? <laughs> oh no, 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 no! I'm just saying, I'm like it saying might that. make more sense not to ban them permanently from the game. It seems kind of a, a harsh punish us, way. Punish of, them in some other way. Yeah, yeah. Because like, like you said, um, Elder Scrolls Online is just in its very, very early stages. It just released. Right. This is like first impressions, and so it. I don't know. It just seems like they may. Or may not have shot themselves in the foot with this one because that's a that's a large amount of people. It's a, thousands of people banned. That's a large amount of people to upset within you know Maybe weeks, months of launch. Maybe later. <laughs> yeah. One can be naive and hope. <laughs> what? <laughs> Who are you impersonating? I don't even uh, know. Sam, uh, Sam, Sam the Eagle from the Muppets? No, that's that sounds like what's his name from Red Letter Media? Mr. Blinkett. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> Anyways, I mean, whatever. Back to topic. Super serious yeah. video game discussion. Moving on, moving on. Uh, H1Z1, right? Oh, yeah, that's a thing. This is a thing I'm not as familiar so on, if things. you guys could oh, take yeah. it away. So, so basically what was announced today uh, about H1Z1, and if you it's don't know what it is, flu. it's pretty much Sony's DayZ. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, is they The news today is that they released a little press release that said that uh, they're having a system implemented where players will be able to loot items from other players that those players have paid real money for. And I'm at, I, it's, I think it's, that's interesting. Yeah, it's a really cool idea. It sounds a lot worse than it is also. which <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Which is the people who paid the money for the item will always own the item. Right. Because they've also said that you can't pay money for the items that actually matter. Right. And uh, what what I think this is end up doing is creating actually a really interesting literal in game economy yeah. where people can I don't know if there will be a um, marketplace set up where they might be able to exchange these items for real money but that's happened in other games like in in Counter Strike Go you can sell off your fake little gun skins for <laughs> Steam currency and it's it's not bad because the game still really really balanced and really well designed at its core they're just cosmetics and you end up getting pennies absolutely like nothing of worth from from trading this stuff over right. but uh you still end up getting like a nice little 30 cents off on your next five dollar steam game yeah right. and but um, in this case in this case though <laughs> it the 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 items that you get have durability and so i don't know i don't know what the deal is with having like being able to give them away once you have them or but, if they can in turn be looted from you because maybe then you could just kill yourself and let but, people but, take but it no, after they th- pay there's you. money involved this <laughs> is this is an economy we're talking about here these items are going to have some kind of utility value and trade value that the players are going to figure out as they go along and i think it's going to be really interesting to see this happen assuming that it doesn't turn into a pay to win thing which i they, they're saying it's not but you never can tell with these ftp games yeah, yeah. I, I don't know i i doubt that it's going to be like Oh my god, like like you know, uh, at least if it is play to win it or pay to win, it might be a situation where they don't think that it is <laughs> and then they find some mechanic that you an know, item pl- duping bug. Yeah, <laughs> an item duping bug where you put it in the bank and then you ban everybody who did it and then <laughs> and then we are inception. Well, let's Great. see. It's um, also, I think it's also really interesting that they specifically clarify that you will be able to steal the paid-for items off of dead players, which, I, I mean, I'm sorry, like, <laughs> I read through Capital. It's really hard to see this from the perspective of the player, more so as the vague, ambiguous economic forces that make exchanges work. <laughs> but right. um, it's it's just, I, I love the idea of, of a, like, 
more tangible in-game resource that can be exchanged for money getting exchanged through the game. Yeah. Kind of like how, how I guess, humanity works in Dark Souls, where you have to trade this thing off for interaction with other players that can earn you more if you end up setting yourself up with someone who will give it to you. And I don't know, that was probably a really lousy example. But in-game economies <laughs> are really interesting to read about. Like, just look at how many hits these stories about EVE Online yeah. get when yeah. everyone in the comment section will clarify that it is a very boring game, but yeah. this stuff is extremely interesting to read Definitely. about. From a, like, from a, like, logistical standpoint. Anthropological perspective. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's very yeah, no, very no. Markets, markets are fun. I like um, reading about them. Not necessarily experiencing them. They can be brutal, but <laughs> yeah, really um, fun to read about. As a as a veteran money loser in the TF2 economy, <laughs> I can vouch that they are brutal places that you don't want to go. Maybe I'm coming from this from kind of a bias because I have never bought anything on CS:GO, but I have sold random valuable <laughs> drops for like 30 cents and been like, yeah. So, so my my impressions are kind of coming from the perspective of someone who has yet to be financially uh, ruined by the system. I know some people who have, but, but well, they're not me, so I'm happy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, okay, so moving right out of the news, uh, next would usually in the podcast be a community segment, uh, as of course we need a community to make a community segment work. And uh, so this is the first episode, so we're not going to have that, but we will be setting up a Skype where you can leave us voice messages. We will be listening to them on the air, answering them, discussing them. We'll be talking about who our guest is before the podcast comes out so that you can you know, maybe send in your questions that you want uh, specifically for the guest. And uh, so we'll be discussing that on future podcasts, but this is where that would normally go. And now that is over. And that actually brings us to what will be the end of the first TOVG podcast. I hope you all enjoyed listening. Uh, thank you, all of the great guys that came on to help out today. All the <laughs> great guys. Have a pleasant evening. <laughs> Bunch of great guys. Bunch of great, great guys. Great, Just doing some great, well great tonight, stuff. Children. <laughs> if you happen to miss any of their names, uh, Gerard Dragon Rider Khalil, the completionist. You know him as the completionist on YouTube. YouTube.com backslash that one video gamer. Alex Fasciani um, of Beard Bros with Gerard, also of the Dex, and George Weedman of Super Bunny Hop. All guy, all great guys making great things, and I have been Jimmy, also known as Sunder. And uh, any any closing statements? Anything you guys want to plug? Any videos coming out? Follow me on Twitter at f a c i a n e a. Yeah, go uh, do that. Wait, is is that where we're at? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, follow me on Twitter. I'm I'm at s u p e r b u n n y h o p. Super Buddy Hop. All right. Follow me on Twitter. That's F A C I A N E A. Yeah. Here on that. the TOVG podcast, we are completely and totally shameless about plugging our Twitter <laughs> accounts. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter so you can get all the latest news about us. All of yeah. our thoughts. I mean, let's and, be real. If, emotions. If, if you're listening to the podcast, you're probably already following us on Twitter. I mean, but I mean, most likely. Most but likely. You might as well. But if you're not, tweet at us. Yeah. Hashtag what? Hashtag, hashtag what w u t yes what hashtag what what hashtag great guys tweet at these guys and uh, tell them hashtag great guys let them know that you listened to the podcast and you enjoyed it anyways this has been the TOVG podcast thank you again for listening and we will see you next week bye, bye. bye.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.